This is Truth, Justice, and Hope, the podcast that explores the modern era of Superman comics from a humanist perspective and examines real life through the lens of a Superman fan. I'm Grant Richter, and this is episode 85. Truth and justice, my friends, and welcome back to the show. This episode, we are going to finish up the two-part Suicide Planet story arc from the eponymous Superman title with issue 41 of that series. And we're also going to cover the finale of the Booster Shot story arc from Action Comics with issue 998 of that series. I know I'd mentioned in the Thanksgiving little tiny episode that I did that I might cover a third episode or a third issue this episode. But honestly, now that I'm back to going by the publication date, just nothing is available in that order. It would be either me doing another issue of Superman or another issue of Action Comics. Um, And I just kind of want to stick to the publication schedule. So we're just going to do these two for today. But first, as always, I have some thoughts from here at the Fortress of Solitude. Now, I have talked in the past about how much I enjoy Philip Kennedy Johnson's run on Action Comics. Uh, The War World Saga is amazing. It's definitely not a light read. It is kind of heavy, but it really gets to the heart of what Superman is and what Superman stands for. And then the follow-up run to it, after the return of Kal-El, once all the Superman family is together and they're acting as kind of an informal team, is really, really cool. I like the the super family having their own individual costumes that are all kind of variations on the theme. My only critique of that is some of the costumes are too samey, uh, especially when you have Connor Kent and John Kent side by side, since they are biologically supposed to be about the same age. They're both, uh, you know, young-ish white guys in their late teens to early 20s with a thin muscular build and black hair. And then they wear very, very similar costumes. So it's hard to kind of tell them apart outside of the dialogue. But other than that, it's great. Um, Brief spoilers, if you haven't read it yet, you might want to skip ahead just a, a minute or two. But I, I love the plot of this era. It, it involves Metallo and how at first he is empowered by what appears to be Luthor and then what turns out to be the cyborg Superman, which is a great return from one of my favorite Superman villains. Um, I like the use of Metallo in it is it's kind of a redemption arc. We see Metallo kind of doing a, uh, a face turn on it and becoming, if not a good, bi- good guy, but at least... Um, a possibly reluctant ally of the super family. And as part of that, um, that kind of the cyborg Superman manipulating Metallo, you see Metallo being given access to war world technology. 
to create a squad of cyborgs that work for him. Uh, specifically, a group of of human, I don't know, maybe not human supremacists, but human isolationists, uh, definitely xenophobes, called the Blue Planet. And uh, Metallo takes a bunch of them and soups them up to be cyborgs to fight against the superfamily. And there's one particular part of this arc that I really, really like. Um, as part of this of, of the superfamily coming together, that includes Kong Kennan the Superman of China that we've been talking about. And I like that he's being folded into the official super family slash team Superman. Um, it does bug me a little that Power Girl isn't brought into it, but she ha definitely has her own thing going on. She has some backup stories in Action Comics, and she has her... Her powers have changed some since the Lazarus Planet story arc, so she's definitely off doing her own thing. But I like, uh, I like Kenan being a part of it. And there is a scene where, uh, where the super, super family defeats some of the cyborgs. And one of them gets hurt really, really bad. And Superman asks Kenan to take this particular cyborg to the hospital. And Kenan says, this is what we do. Risk our lives for one such as him. Risk our lives for those who would kill one as true as Steel or Supergirl. And Superman says, always. Because if he dies, Kenan, he can never make it right. If he dies, this is the best he will ever be. Saving him is how we save the world. And Kenan doesn't look like he's entirely convinced you know, emotionally, but he still does a Superman request and takes the cyborg to the hospital. Not cyborg Superman, but one of the cyborg cybernetic terrorists. And that leads into what I want to talk about for today. Um, you guys have probably seen the news where convicted murderer Derek Chauvin, uh, who was arrested and indicted and convicted for the murder of George Floyd um, within the last year or so. Uh, Chauvin was the police officer who was kneeling on Floyd's neck uh, when Floyd was saying, I can't breathe. And Floyd died as a result of that. And Chauvin is going to is in prison, and he is going to prison, going to be in prison for a very long time. And that is justice. That is justice in action. Um, if you, when you when you hurt someone, when you when you uh, assault someone, when you kill someone, you you deserve to go to prison in my opinion, and for a very, very long time. Now, while Chauvin was in prison, he was stabbed by another inmate. That happens. Um, I, I, I've mentioned before, I used to work in a pretrial detention facility. We did not have in, incidents like that um, in the facility where I worked, but they were always a possibility. We always were on the lookout for homemade weapons, uh, shanks, if you were. And, you know, we, we have had inmate incidences where inmates have assaulted other inmates for, you know, just personal conflicts within the jail or as a matter of revenge for something that happened on the outside or what have you. And when we knew that there was a possibility that an inmate was going to be the target of an assault, they were usually kept in 
relatively solitary confinement or the protective custody. You know, they were they were put in a in a in a dorm where yes, they were locked down twenty two hours a day, but they were let out by themselves in the dorm to have you know free time and whatever. It's not like they were locked in a dark hole or anything. That's I don't know the circumstances of Chauvin's uh, incarceration, uh, but he was stabbed by another inmate. And my assumption, it was because of what Chauvin did to get put in prison, where he killed George Floyd as uh, uh, what's called under color of law, where you are acting within your vested authority, but abusing that authority to hurt another person. And after that happened, I saw a lot of responses online that were like, good, that's what he deserves. And I'm not going to lie, that was my initial reaction for a couple seconds. Good. You know, if you, if you hurt someone, you deserve to be hurt back. But then I had to stop myself because that's not justice. Justice is him getting the legal consequences for his actions. Him being assaulted in prison while he is the staff that works in the prison facility is there not only to keep the inmates secure to make sure they don't get out of line, but also to keep them safe. For him to be assaulted while he is under the custody of the correctional system is not justice. That's revenge. And revenge is not what Superman is all about. Superman is all about, of course, truth, justice, and hope. That's why I talk about it so much. Um, revenge is for something like the Punisher. Revenge is, I, I don't even know, the Ghost Rider, you know, some other gritty 90s anti-hero. But, but we, as, as fans of Superman, as someone who sees Superman as a, albeit fictional, role model, that is not the path that we should go down. We should not be cheering for for a person being being stabbed extrajudicial excuse me extrajudicially punished because he is getting his just punishment by being in prison already and having a large massive chunk of his life taken away from him um, and so I, I have to check my own reactions when it comes to things like that it's, it's like I've talked about before when um, when Pat Robertson died, when um, Rush Limbaugh died, you know, my first response was good, and I, I feel less mm, not guilty, uh, but but I've I don't have as much of a problem with that reaction, and I know I've talked about it before, but those two people have hurt hundreds, if not thousands, of people through their rhetoric, through their actions through their, no doubt, extrajudicial actions. And, um, and there, there's a very good, you know, and through the things that are, are legally permissible, but are morally reprehensible. And at least them being removed from this plane of existence or what have you, at least stops them from hurting other people. I don't celebrate their death, but I am glad that they're not around to hurt others. Um, after they they had a lifetime to turn things around and and 
act in a more beneficial way and chose not to. Chauvin has been held accountable for his actions. I don't think, I don't, he shouldn't be forgiven for what he's done, but he is serving his tenants now, and anything beyond that is just revenge. And again, that is not what Superman is all about, and therefore, it's not what I'm all about. And that is, I don't know, I feel like there's more I could say about that, but I feel like it's just kind of going to kind of run in circles and probably go down a rabbit hole. So I bet it's probably best that we don't go there. So how about we just go talk about some Superman comics? Okay, up first on the docket this week is Superman number 41 release uh, with a release date. I'm trying to get away from saying cover date. Um, I've mentioned before how the, the, the dates on the app are a little wonky. Sometimes they go with the release date. Sometimes they go with the cover date. They always say the release date. I'm trying to match them up more with Mike's Amazing World of Comics. And speaking of which, I think Mike of Mike's Amazing World might have just passed away. If you go to their site, um, no matter what page of their site you were last on, if you kept the tab open, it takes you to a page of Death of the Endless um, and some quotes from the Sandman series. Um, and I think they're indicating that Mike might have passed away, which is really, really sad because that is one of the, the greatest resources of comic book fandom. Um, but I'm saying that this, this was released on February 21st of 2018. It is written by James Robinson with art by Ed Bennis. Now, I mostly know Bennis from his post-Infinite Crisis run on Justice League of America. And that that is a really interesting run. It's written by Brad Meltzer of... Uh, identity crisis fame or maybe infamy depending on how you look at it um and i don't know <laughs> bennis's art in that era doesn't really work for me i think he was kind of leaning a little into the style of michael turner um the the late michael turner who leaned kind of heavily into cheesecake um <laughs> And, you know, like that was an era where it had Black Canary as the leader of the team, which is really cool, but it was often, sometimes she was twisted around, so you got her boobs and her butt in the same panel. So, you know, um, mixed feelings about that, about that run in general, but the art on this is really, really good. Um, the, uh, Danae Ribeiro, uh, Ribeiro, excuse me, the, is the colorist, Rob Lee is the letterer. Victor Bogdanovic with Mike Spencer did the main cover, and John Boy Myers did the variant. The main cover is of Superman. I think he's supposed to be trying to fly his way out. It kind of looks like maybe he's. It might be punching his way out um, of the of these seahorse kind of looking aliens who are clinging onto him. John is kind of trying to push his way out of this throng of them that are trying to bring them down. One of the aliens is grabbing a hold of Superman's cape and saying, let us die. 
and we'll kind of go over that in the recap a little bit what's going on there the the variant by Myers again I really really like his covers I think his art's maybe just a little too slick but as a cover artist it's really fun uh it's basically Superman underwater in on this alien planet surrounded by these seahorse looking aliens with all their their powerful alien technology guns pointed at him and his eyes are kind of lit up with heat vision and his cape is floating in the water and it's it's pretty cool I'm, i will probably end up using this one again for the cover art for the episode so last week or not last week but on the last issue of this series that we talked about on the anniversary of the destruction of krypton superman got a notification at the fortress of solitude that an alien planet in the, possibly another galaxy was about to explode. And it was an inhabited planet. So he decided that he was going to go try to save as many people on that planet as he could before it exploded. John convinced him, convinced Superman to let him come along. They got to the planet and they found that the plant, the vast majority of the planet's inhabitants were religious zealots who had decided that the destruction of their world was their deity's will. And if it was their deity's will that they die with the planet, then by, by that deity's name, they were going to die with the planet. And at first they were like, look, just leave. And when Superman said, you know, please let me help you, they used their faith-based magic, kind of like clerics from Dungeons and Dragons to sap uh, Clark and John's powers. Um, the two of them were saved by a kind of black sheep member of the species, of, the, of their race, who believed more in science than religion, who said, look, I'm, I'm trying to do what I can to save our people too, come with me. And they got in his kind of underwater spaceship and took off. And that is where we open the panel. They are, they are kind of, I want to call it flying, but they are swimming, <laughs> soaring through the ocean. I don't, I don't know. To this scientist lab, his name is, is Klein, K-L-A-I-N. And they're going to his hidden laboratory and he's saying, you know, look, uh, there's, there is a, a bit of dialogue between the two where Klein is asking, I wonder, Superman, have you ever stopped to consider how everything is relative? And Superman says, it's crossed my mind. And Klein says, then you'll appreciate that I was just about to say, we'll be safe at my hidden laboratory up ahead. But even as the words came to mind, I realized the militia of my home world is no doubt already scouring every trench and reef on the planet to find us and the planet's about to explode. And Superman says, yeah, I get it. Um, relativity, uh, safety is relative. Um, uh, but he says, you know, that's a, it's a little, uh, but it's a little, you know, don't you think you're being a little pe pessimistic? And the guy's like, no, I'm, I'm just being realistic. I, I know what the odds are. I know they're, they're very against this, but wow. Okay. Sorry. There's a big old school bus. It just popped up behind me and and the bus driver's going over the intercom, fussing at the kids getting off. Sorry about that. Um, 
but he's saying, you know, look, I'm a man of science. I know the odds, but I still have hope. And Superman's like, you know, I'm, I get it. I'm all about hope. Um, and as, as they talk about hope, they go straight into talking about truth, which I appreciate. And they said that the religious leaders of the planet, they, they killed the scientists and their planet's version of the media that was trying to get the word out, and including Klain's wife who had just given birth to a clutch of their offspring's eggs. And, um, and he says, you know, my, my wife was my love, even death, she gives me purpose. And Superman says, you know, even after your people killed your wife, it's admirable that you still want to help them. And Klain says, do you hate a child when they break something? Or is it better to hope that the child will learn from its mistake? which goes back to what I was talking about during the Fortress segment. And um, Klein says, you know, look, to my people, I am the embodiment of evil. I am everything they stand against, but they're still my people, and I, I know I cannot save my world. Superman and Clark, I mean, Clark and John, they offer to build a space ark, and he's like, look, there is literally no time. Our planet has less than a day. It has maybe hours. I know I can't save my people, but I can save my species. And he takes Clark and John to the sphere that contains this clutch, clutch of eggs that his wife laid before she was murdered. And he says, the ore protects these eggs, my wife's and my offspring, until they hatch. The casing clasps around the orb do even more with them as an artificial intelligence that has all the knowledge my children will need to instruct them and to grow. Well, uh, and um, Clark says, what do you intend to do with it? And Klain says, well, I'm going to get it away from this planet. That's why I built this rocket. Too small to save everyone, but big enough for me at least and, um, and him and his, and his wife's eggs. And he's found this planet, and it's in another, it's two solar systems away from where they are. And he says, you know, look, I'm a good scientist, but our technology, our navigation technology is not the best because we're mostly a water-based. We can navigate across any point in the ocean, but space is still kind of an unknown to us. I know where the planet is, but I can't quite navigate the rocket to get my eggs in there and he's, he's saying will you help me and clark says of course i'll help you um and you know clark says yes i'll i'll definitely help you but are you certain you're ready to give up on your people and clane says what more can i do even with my own escape i fear i'll take too much of this world with me in thought and deed so he's worried that the kind of his ingrained ideas will will kind of taint his own kids um it's like, uh, I'm not going to go into religion very much because I think I might have put some people off with, uh, with the Fortress of Solitude uh, talk that I had uh, concerning the last issue of this series. But there are some people that when they grow up with religion, and even if they get out of that religion, they, they acknowledge that they have ingrained thought patterns that still affect their actions in the way that they were brought up to do as part of being a particular religious faith. And, you know, Klain is, he, he's worried that 
he doesn't want his children to grow up with this religion at all, but he's worried that his ingrained thought patterns might affect them negatively. But before he can finish his thoughts, the militia bursts in and they shoot Claim and they shoot the rocket. So uh, Superman slams into the militia and he's saying, by now I feel stronger. Uh, he says, maybe it's all the confusion here that's weakening their faith magic that all that matters is I can handle them. And that's a pretty good excuse. Um, yeah, I, maybe maybe they have to be unified, unified in thought. Maybe they have to be kind of meditative to make their magic work. But it's not. it doesn't have the hold over them that they did. But Superman tells John to grab the eggs and run. He says, get off this planet now, find an asteroid, or I don't know, just do it. Don't go. Don't worry, I'll, be, I'll find you. And there's a great shot of the militia guys all piling on top of Superman. And he says, nice try, guys. But like I said, the power is back on. In the next panel, it says him throwing his arms wide in this kind of burst of, of light behind him. And all the seahorse guys go flying uh, through the water. And it's pretty great. Um, I've saved that shot. If if I I will hopefully not be here the next time a hurricane comes through, but uh, where I'm going to end up, you know, there might be a snowstorm. And I fully intend, if I ever go through a power outage, the moment the power comes back on, to tweet that screenshot out. I I always love to say to save uh, Superman panels to kind of illustrate whatever it is I'm talking about on social media. Because I think on social media, um, even though I prefer the text-based kinds like Twitter and, and Blue Sky, I think they're much more effective when they are accompanied by an image. And so Superman kneels down over Klain, who is dying. He is bleeding to death. Perhaps they hit a vital organ. And... Um, and Klain is saying, perhaps it's better that I die here. It's better that my children will go completely free of this planet. The important thing is the children, my children, your son has them. You may question your goal here on Galamain, but a day ago I'd lost all hope. Now I die with it bright in my heart. Save my children. Take them away from here. Um, there's a... Uh, I'll come back to that in just a minute. So... Um, in the next moment, there is a massive rumble, and the religious leader of the planet comes in, surrounded by more guards or militia guys or whatever. And, uh, and in the, like I said in the previous issue, when Superman didn't leave the planet, the moment he was ordered to do so, they used their magic to try to keep him here. And the leader says, although I'm sure he appreciates your your enthusiasm, Dermot, that's the name of their god, will soon have more than enough souls to count. If our world is truly ending, what threat can this one pose now? I would have assumed you'd have left our planet, you and your child. He, they, he calls uh, John a par, which I guess their name for an offspring. He says, the tremors are coming from within the planet's core with increasing frequency. It won't be long now. Um, and Superman says, I can't go without trying one last time before this planet is gone for good. And um, he says, you, ch you still challenge our faith in our God? Dermot is absolute. And his followers say, Dermot, Dermot. And 
the religious leader says, are you so arrogant that you think a few words of sage wisdom will weaken us? And Superman says, it's not arrogance, it's hope. Hope will never die in my heart. The hope that what's right will prevail, that bad men will yet take the path of good, that those of a clouded view may yet see clearly that you'll come with me. I'll take whoever, however many of you uh, with me, I'll take however many of you with me who choose to live. And the leader says, what you call hope, we might call naivety. And Superman says, some definitely have. And the leader says, I was wrong about you, Superman. I thought you trying to, I was wrong by trying to dampen your powers, to trying to keep you here to die. But this isn't your world. There's no reason for you to die here. And you should go while, while you still can. And Superman says, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry if you feel like I was threatening you or threatening your, your belief system. I just hoped that some of you might have gone with me because how do you know that my being here isn't the work, work of Dermot? And the, the leader says, I'll say this one time, our faith is strong, our belief in Dermot is absolute. And one of the followers goes, Dermot! And the other one looks around as the earthquakes start to get um, more intense. And he stutters. He's like, um, Dermot? Like, I guess. And uh, Superman, one last time, Superman says, I believe Dermot would want you to live. And the leader says, of course you do. I'll admit this. You are a good man. I see that now. Frankly, part of me resents you, assuming we'd want to be saved. What right have you to question our beliefs? But equally, there's a part of me that thanks you for trying. And he says, now go before, and before he can finish this thought, the planet explodes. Well, Superman is fine um, physically. And of course, this is... Um, I know that, that Jurgens has been falling back a lot on tropes from his 90s run. But I, I feel like he's incorporated a lot of it. He, he's got some post-Infinite Crisis era. He's got some New 52 era. And that Superman is probably still not as powerful as the Silver Age, Bronze Age version who could do whatever the plot needed him to do. But he's still really, really powerful and he survives the planet's explosion. And, you know, there's a great splash page, great splash page of the explosion. There's a three-panel page of him just slowly fly, flying away. He finds John on this asteroid. And I, again, I guess by now John can fly on his own. Um... I assume that that development took place in the Super Sons title. Um, I do not know. Um, again, what I'm thinking about doing before I move on to action number 1000 is kind of going back through Super Sons and Supergirl and Superwoman and just doing an overview of those books from where we left off to kind of get us caught up before we move into the Bendis era of all those books. And... Um, there's a really interesting panel where, where John says he feels guilty because as he saw the planet blow up, he couldn't think, but help, he couldn't help but thinking how beautiful it looked. And again, the page of the planet blowing up is spectacular. It is a stunning and beautiful page. And Superman says he's had that thought too. He says, I'll see things. And even though it's evil or tragic, just for a moment, I'll be struck by how beautiful or epic it is. Those feelings are a part of my life. Yours too, if you're going to keep going down the same path as me. And um, 
and John is still kind of confused about how a whole planet could feel like it's they needed to die because they felt their God wanted them to. And um, John says, what should I believe in? God or Rao or whoever? Who do you believe in? Do you believe in God? And Clark says something that's been, that I've kind of touched on before. This is honestly, John, I've seen too much not to believe in something, but the important part is that something isn't everything. And, you know, Superman lives in a in a universe where the divine forces and infernal forces are a actual definite concept that have interacted with people in the modern age. He has interacted with the Spectre. He's fought the Spectre. And if I were to go on about the story I'd like to see about Superman and the Spectre, I would be here for another probably 10 extra minutes. So I will save that for another day. Um, he spot um, angels, like I talked about when I kind of went off script and talked about the the Rage of Angels storyline from late 90s JLA, which is my favorite story from the Blue Superman era. Um, he's, he's fought Eclipso, who was supposed to be God's wrath, God's former wrath or whatever. And, you know, he's fought Hell Lords like Blaze and Satanus and Neuron and all that. So there's too much out there for Superman not to believe in uh, the presence or God or whatever you want to call it. But I don't think Superman necessarily worships them. And that's just me personally. It's never explicitly stated one way or another. That's just how I personally look at it. But I think that's a really good, really safe answer. Um, and, um, so John climbs onto Superman's back and John's got the clutch of eggs under his arm and they are going to deposit them on the planet that Colleen had picked out and get back in time, get home by Thursday for apple pie and ice cream. Um, this is a really good ending to the story A very various, obvious analogy to uh, Superman's own origin. We have a dying planet. We have a scientist who sends his offspring. If you're going by the Burn reboot origin, his embryotic offspring to another planet to be raised to where they will be safe. It doesn't go into whether or not Klain's offspring will be more powerful than, than the inhabitants of this planet they're going to, but still, very, very clear analogy. Um, there was another part that I skipped over because I wanted to come around and talk to it about it at the end. It's before uh, Klain shows them his clutch of eggs. And Klain talks about how even though he is a person of science, he still believes in Dermot, the, the deity of this, of this planet. And I think on this planet it would be especially hard not to because they obviously, whether... It's possible that these beings just have an inherent ability that when they work together, they have some kind of psychic, you know, psychic group mind that's able to cancel out metahuman powers. I don't know. But it seems that, like I said, they have a kind of a Dungeons and Dragons cleric thing where their deity is a possibly real other dimensional being that grants them divine power. And that's pretty neat. That's a, that's a really cool story trope that I like. Um, but he says, you know, he, 
just because I'm a scientist doesn't mean I'm not also a person of faith. The two can coexist, and I think that's really neat. You know, it, it is, it, you know, I am a humanist. I believe in the potential of human beings. I believe in science, but I also have my own spiritual beliefs that can't be quantified by science, and they may be contradictory, but I can also compartmentalize in such a way that makes them work. But um, that is it for that issue. That is it for this story arc. Uh, Tomasi and Gleason will be back next issue for a Bizarro-themed story arc, which should be interesting to say the least. Bizarro, I have mixed feelings about Bizarro, depending on which version is being used. And I don't think I've ever really dove into this arc um, with much with much intensity before, so it'll be neat to do a deep dive on it and see how it works out. But I am going to play the interstitial, and when we come back, we will talk about Action Comics number 998. Stay tuned. Okay, Action Comics number 998 has a release date of February 28th, 2018. This issue is written by Dan Jurgens with art by Will Conrad, whose work I am not familiar with beyond this issue, but who I really like. Uh, Ivan Nunez is the colorist. Rob Lee is the letterer. Uh, Conrad and Nunez did the main cover, and Carrie Andrews did the variant cover. The main cover is of... Superman being attacked by General Zod and his son Lore. Um, by the way, uh, last episode, I believe, uh, last regular episode, I mentioned that I could not remember what General Zod's uh, first name was. And a friend of the show, Patrick Ryall, uh, reached out to me on social media and reminded me that his first name is Drew, D-R-U. So thank you, Patrick. And Superman is getting it really bad. His face looks, it's not shaded like it's bruised, but it's drawn like it's bruised. Like his face is puffy from punches and there is like blood splattering everywhere on this white background. And it's really intense. The variant cover is gorgeous. It is of Superman sitting on a rooftop just looking out over the streets of Metropolis and looking at the Daily Planet building. It has a very painterly style, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm honestly maybe tempted to use this one for <laughs> or the thumbnail for the show. I don't know. You guys will know one way or another by the time this comes out, because I'll have decided by then. But still, as I'm recording this, I am still torn. Both are really, really good covers. Um, so a little bit of backstory. So uh, when uh, Jor-El showed up and revealed that he was really Mr. Oz, it kind of blew Superman's mind, and he was determined to go back in time to the destruction of Krypton and find out. And so he used the Flash's cosmic treadmill to take him back to what he believed was the days before Krypton's destruction. Booster Gold... The, the unsung hero of the timeline found out and used a combination of his own uh, Rip Hunter time bubble and the Flash's Cosmic Treadmill to follow. And it took them to a divergent past, which is unusual. It was a past where um, Jor-El had convinced 
the Krypton Science Council to evacuate the planet, and they were in the process of doing so. And Booster convinced Superman to leave before he could take this sliver of time that had become fractured from the main timeline and make it concrete reality. Um, even though it wasn't Superman's presence there that caused the fracture in time, his presence was solidifying it, is the way I understand it. Um, they evacuated, but they ended up in... First, they went to Booster's timeline of the 25th century, and they're currently trapped in the near future of our present on a distant planet that has been conquered by the House of Zod and who are ruling its inhabitants as absolute despots. Uh, Superman and Booster have been captured by the Zods and are in the process of being executed. Meanwhile, Lois Lane has learned that her father, Sam Lane, was captured on a black ops mission in the war-torn country of Lagamba and was scheduled to be executed. She snuck into the country, followed by John. The two of them rescued Sam from his imprisonment, but all three of them were seemingly gunned down and killed. So we will have to find out how the super family gets out of this predicament. So we open with Superman and Booster Gold having been crucified back to back on this giant X. It kind of reminds me of the, the Acts of Vengeance cover to Uncanny X-Men from 1989, I believe, where Superman is is captured by the Reavers. Actually, no, that was just before Acts of Vengeance, or Superman, or not Superman, or Wolverine. <laughs> Did I say Superman the first time? Jason, I'm sorry. Um, or, or I almost said it again, where Wolverine was captured and beaten very badly and tortured by the Reavers and had been crucified on this giant X on the on the cover of the issue. It's a great issue. It's a really fun storyline. You should go listen to the podcast that goes SNCC if you want to hear more about it. Um, but anyway, they've been strapped to this thing back to back and um, Superman is being bound with kryptonite manacles and all three of the Zods Drew, Ursa, and Lore are shooting their heat vision at them, and the Eradicator, the like the capital E Eradicator, the one from the first story arc of the eponymous Superman title in the Rebirth Era, the one that's an analog to the Eradicator from the Reign of the Superman, is unleashing force beams from his eyes. And um, Booster's little robot buddy Skeets has been smashed by Druzon. So it, it shows like his, his little flying shell is just trashed on the ground. And Booster is just barely keeping them alive with his force field. But with this much energy being pounded on it, it's going to collapse at any second. But then one of the Eradicator drones. Now remember in this version of continuity, the Eradicators were uh, robots that were used by Zod before the destruction of Krypton as kind of enforcers. And they had these kind of portable Phantom Zone projectors in their chest. And 
they could not quite phantom zone but they could capture the they could capture rogue kryptonians or or undesirables that zod didn't approve of and and kind of suck these people into these into these kind of minty mini phantom zones that were housed in their chests and like the eradicator was one of those it was caught on the edge of the explosion of krypton and the radiation from it combined with all the kryptonian i loosely use the term souls trapped inside it mutated him mutated it into the the eradicator being but that eradicator is controlling all these other eradicator robots and they look like your pretty standard sci-fi robots and they all have kind of copper colored visors that are reminiscent of the eradicator's visor but one of the robots its visor suddenly turns blue and it says override successful and it grabs uh, Lorzod and as Lore is firing his heat vision, turns his face towards General Zod, stunning the general, and then he throws Lore into the Eradicator, stunning the Eradicator. And it very quickly becomes apparent that this is Skeets, that at the moment of his destruction, he electronically transferred his AI consciousness into the body of this Eradicator drone. And the way these eradicators are drawn is that they have a series of vertical lines where a human mouth would be and it kind of gives them this kind of cyberpunk robot effect where where it almost looks like a skull mouth where a human mouth would be but the way it's drawn here it looks like it's smiling it's like this is the friendly eradicator this is your old buddy skeets and he says the override process was more difficult and time-consuming than I had hoped. And uh, Skeets deactivates Superman's kryptonite restraints and frees um, Superman and Booster from the giant X. And uh, Skeets makes the joke. He says, I must admit that I find walking to be a strange and inefficient method of locomotion. Though this body may offer advantages I hadn't considered. Now, I mentioned that the the house of zod has conquered this planet and it's a full the planet is populated by primitive humanoids i think they have kind of very light purple skin they have somewhat pointed ears and their bodies covered in like ritual paint or tattoos they have kind of a like native american cross with ancient celtic vibe going on about them and they speak Kryptonian because that is now the language of the planet, thanks to the Zods. And they say, you know, look, they're fighting back. And these guys have spears for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why they have spears. They've been enslaved. I don't know how they had weapons, but maybe they had them stashed somewhere. I don't know. But when they see Superman and Booster fighting back, they say they're resisting. And they start to take up arms. And uh, Lore Zod says, try and die, just like Superman. And I mentioned last time we talked about the series that this version of Lorzod is very Joffrey-esque from Game of Thrones. He is a sadist. He likes to hurt people and he likes to hurt them in the most painful way imaginable. He's just a power mad 
child with a planet full of fleshy toys to do with as he pleased. But Superman slams into, into Lore, punches him a few times, and he says, You are a despot, a murdering tyrant. I've dedicated my life to taking down psychotic brats like you. I'm not about to fail now. But then General Zod slams into Superman and says, Get your hands off of my son. And um, all of the, the narration from this issue is from uh, Booster's point of view. And he's thinking to himself that the House of Zod housed them outnumbered. They have three people that are just as powerful as Superman, plus a really powerful artificial life form. And that artificial life form has an army of robots. So they need to prioritize getting off the planet. Um, Superman punches Zod into orbit, but then Lore and Ursa grab Superman's arms and try to like pull his arms out of their sockets. Um, and... For some reason, they stop doing that, and Ursa gets Superman in a chokehold and tells Lore to rip Superman's hands from his chest. Um, just at that moment, also, Skeets overrides the Eradicator's control of all the drones and forces the drones to attack the Eradicator. But before uh, Lore can try to rip out Superman's heart, Booster says... Just try it and daddy dies, Junior. And Lore turns around and Booster has General Zod in a chokehold and is holding a shard of the kryptonite that had been restraining Superman. And he's got it pointed at, it's, you know, it's like a kryptonite shiv. And he's got it pointed at Drew's eye, basically. And, and, and General Zod is just convulsing. And Lore says, go ahead, do whatever you want. And Ursa is very uh, put back by this and narrowing his eyes. Lower Zod says, remove the old buzzard standing in my way and you'd be doing me a favor. That startles Ursa enough that Superman is able to break her hold on him. He kind of backhands her and then lunges forward and punches out Lore. Um, meanwhile, the... Um, Skeets has made his way back to the time sphere and he's cannibalized his own robot parts to repair the time sphere, which Booster thinks is gross. And Superman says, look, we cannot leave all these innocents. But Booster reminds him, this is your future. This is a thing that could happen if we go back to your proper time and make sure that this doesn't happen these, um, you know, the natives of this planet won't have been enslaved in the first place. But they, so they, they peace out. They zip out into the time stream. And, um, and Superman says, so wait, you're saying time can be changed? And Booster's saying, I'm saying the future is liquid, like wet concrete that can still be shaped and molded. Only the past is solidified as concrete time that can't be changed, which is, Going back to the topic of relativity from the previous issue, at what point do you consider things the past and the present? As far as General Zod and Ursa and Lore and all the natives of the planet, they are living in the present. It just happens to be Superman's future. Technically, from Booster's point of view, 
it already is the past from since he's from the 25th century. So, you know, timey-wimey. But, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's soft sci-fi. We're just going to let it go. It's okay. Um, and um, Skeets chimes in and says, though a portion of time around Krypton's destruction had fractured. And Booster says, right, it seems that whatever force plucked Jor-El away, the force that created Mr. Oz, drove time itself into the breaking point. You going back there pushed it over the edge. Once we get back to your present, it should be fine. So again, a moment. Superman's past can't be changed, but some incredibly powerful cosmic force broke off a portion of that time, changed it either intentionally or unintentionally, and Superman's presence there threatened to make it become the new past. But Superman says, look, I came, this whole thing started because I wanted to find out if Mr. Oz was telling the truth, if he really is Dorel, and if he really is Dorel, if he was lying or not. And the only way I can find out about that is if I go back to the moment of Krypton's destruction. And Booster says, you know you'll be tempted to change it. That's what you almost did before. That's why I had to come stop you. And Superman says, I know, but I have to do this. I have to see. I promise I won't interfere. And so they arrive at the moment before Krypton's destruction, nanoseconds before its destruction, and they go to you know, Jor-El's lab right after Kal-El had been launched into space, and they see the, the lab and the planet start burning, and as they see Lara begin to burn up in the Inferno, they do see Jor-El being teleported away by some mysterious blue energy. And, um, you know, Booster says, you know, look, I know that was hard seeing your mom die. I know that was hard. Having what Dorel told you about Mr. Oz was hard for you. And Superman says, yeah, I had, I had to see that nothing can change the past. And, um, Booster says, yes, nothing can change the past. That's the first rule of time travel. Now, I think he's saying, it's, he's not saying the past is immutable. He's saying it is the law of time travel that you do not change the past. It can be done, but it shouldn't be done. He says, otherwise you're left wrestling with the concept of infinite potential. Change one bad thing and you'll be tempted to change every bad thing. And... Superman says, you never crack and give in. And Booster says, nuh-uh. And Little says, nuh-uh. That is a hard red line never to be crossed. And Superman says, no one should be tempted with that kind of thing. And Booster says, it's my job to stop bad guys who, who are tempted by that kind of thing. And Superman says, look, I really just want to go see my wife and my son now. And Booster says, well, that we can do. Take us home, Alfred. And Skeet says, please don't call me Alfred, sir. And Booster says, well, it's not like I can call you Jarvis. That's a whole other timeline. Very funny. I like, I like the conceit that the Marvel Universe is just one of many within the larger DC multiverse. But, you know, I'm sure Marvel fans probably think the same thing. It is what it is. And of course, we know there are at least two, or were two, um, 
DC universes that were analogs to the Marvel universe. Um, but they arrive on, they get back to Earth, they get back to the present, and um, and as they arrive, Skeet says, "Oh dear, um, Lois and Jonathan went to Lagamba, and I fear dot dot dot." And before he can finish, Superman goes Lagamba, and he zips on out of the out of the time sphere down toward the planet. And after Superman's gone, Booster says, fear what, Skeet? And Skeet says, Lois and Samuel Lane are dead, Michael. Savagely gunned down less than 80 seconds ago by the Gumman forces. So it's like I said last issue, um, John is tough enough to survive machine gunfire. But it definitely knocked him out. And Lois and Sam are definitely dead. And so... Even after his speech about not changing the past, Booster makes an exception. He says, we're going back 95 seconds before they die. And Skeet says, look, you, you cannot do this. You're going to get me in so much trouble. And Booster says, I don't care. It's worth it. Um, and Booster says, damn the consequences. Uh, they'll be mine to face. Superman just witnessed his entire world die, and I will not make him do so again. And as he leaves, Skeet says, you are going to be in so much trouble. So we go to just before Lois and Sam were gunned down, where they're, they're in this jungle, they're in Lagaman, they're going to the safe house that will help get them out of the country. And Lagaman military forces pop up, and they've got a heavy machine gun. And um, Booster's narration is saying, Skeets is right, but I have to do this. By getting there right before they're shot, blast that gun and drop these jerks where they stand. So he shoots the gun with his with his force beams and punches them out. Uh, and we see Superman zipping across the skies of Lagamba toward where Lois and John are. And we see like energy kind of swirling around him. And Booster's thinking, Superman is still seconds ahead of us in the future. Luckily, this event had just happened. Time hadn't fully cemented it in place. If this works, the change will ripple through and instantaneously change Superman's reality from a time when Lois and her father died to a far better outcome. And we see Lois and John and Sam about to get on a helicopter. And we see some Lagaman military guys loading a mortar shell into a launcher. Um, and Booster's thinking, none of them will ever know. Better yet, and as the mortar shell launches into the sky... Booster thinks Superman will get the honor of saving his family, and he intercepts the shell before it hits. It explodes on him. The chopper's unhurt. Um, John's like, yay, Superman's here, and he saved his granddad. And Sam Lane says, so you brought the Man of Steel into this too. And John's like, why not? He's a cool guy. Dad says Superman is awesome. And Sam says, you and I are going to have to have a long talk about that. But, you know, Lois says, speaking of long talks, and she and Sam reunite, and they agree that things are going to be different between the two of them, and that, um, and that they're, they're not going to be estranged anymore, which is nice. You know, as speaking of someone who was estranged from a family member that I was very close to, and we had a reconciliation a couple years ago, it is, is really nice when one is able to do that. And it, it, even after Booster's speech about not tampering with events in one's relative past, 
it makes sense that he would anyway, no matter what. Because, again, Booster's from the future. Booster knows that Lois and, and her father don't die in this moment. So it was probably part of Booster's timeline to begin with that they might have died and then time was, was, was tweaked at the last second and they were saved. Because, you know, otherwise Booster would be like, well... Yeah, this is the moment the history books say that Lois Lane died. So, you know, it, 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 it works out. And we get a nice little epilogue where Superman and Booster are back on the Justice League Watchtower. And the Flash is very mad that Booster stole the treadmill. And Superman says, look, it's not Booster's fault. I used it first. He just used it to come after me. And Booster said, yeah, I had to make sure that he didn't make anything worse. And Flash starts to say, I would never. And Booster says, really, Flash? You would never? And the Flash says, low blow. Because that, by this point, the Flash understands that the current timeline is different from the one before Flashpoint. He remembers going back in time to saving his mom. He knows that things are different and they deviated from around the time that Flashpoint happened. He believes it's his fault at this point. We'll, we'll find out differently as we go forward. But, um, and with that, uh, Booster and Skeets get in the time bubble and they zip off into the time stream and Booster is like, well, I guess I have to go face the music because I am going to be in so much trouble. I don't know if we ever get a follow-up to this, honestly. Um, I know there's a series with, a miniseries with Blue Beetle and, and Beaster Gold. It was written by Dan Jurgens that came out a couple years ago by now, I think. I don't think it's ever brought up there. I think that would be really, really fun to learn more about this. And, you know, maybe there was and it just went under my radar. I don't know. But I thought that was a really good end to the story arc. Um, like I said, I like the Booster Shot story arc. I I don't like Booster enough to really read about his own adventures, but I like him as a Superman supporting character, especially when written by Jurgens, since Jurgens, of course, is is Booster's creator, and you know he 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 wrote and drew the boost the original Booster series. He at least was the initial artist on the Booster uh, post-Infinite Crisis series. I think he took over from Jeff Johns as a writer after a little bit. And, of course, he Jurgens wrote Superman all throughout the 90s. So I, the two of them together are a really interesting pair. I would not want to have, like, a Superman and Booster Gold team-up book. But I, I, like the, I, I like the concept of being of Hooster being a reoccurring Superman supporting character. And I, I think it's just too bad that we don't get that. But that is the end of our comic book coverage for this episode. But right after, excuse me, right after the interstitial, I'll be back to wrap everything up. And that does it for episode 85 of Truth, Justice, and Hope, a Superman podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys have enjoying the show in general. 
if so, I would love it if you gave me a follow on social media. You can do so on Instagram, on Blue Sky, and on the platform formerly known as Twitter by searching for Truth, Justice, and Hope. Uh, if you do so on Twitter in Blue Sky, I do a series of synopses or synopsis threads, depending on how much I like the issue, of Superman and other DC comics, beginning with the John Byrne reboot of the Superman titles. Um, I'm currently up to, I think, May of 1988. I just started the Supergirl saga, the one that leads into Superman in Exile, the one that introduces formally introduces Matrix Supergirl, so that's a lot of fun, so make sure to check that out. Um, I don't use Instagram as much, but when I do a thread, I do at least post the, the cover to the book and the credits for the, for the comic I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Um, I would also love it if you guys would give me a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. You know where you get your show, but I'm available not just on Anchor and Spotify, but on Apple, Apple Podcasts, on, on Audible, on, I believe I'm on Stitcher, uh, but I'm all over the place. So uh, if you're not happy with your current podcast service, switch to another and listen to me because it's fun. Um, if you really, really like the show and if you'd like to help support it, you can do so over at patreon.com slash truth, justice, and hope. Paid subscribers get full access to all of my bonus content that I've been putting out for like a year and a half now, I think. And I've got uh, content that where I talk about my favorite classic post-Crisis Superman stories. It starts with the Pocket Universe Superboy saga from 1987. It includes the Supergirl saga that I'm talking about currently on social media. It goes from there into Exile, and basically everything that builds up to Reign of the Superman, plus some other material that I threw in just because I particularly like those stories. Um, I've also begun, but I've had to put on hold, a real-time uh, watch-through of Superman Returns. I will get back to that probably in January. Um, I'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, I'm also doing an overview of the entire long-haired Superman era from 1994 um, or late 1993 going forward. Um, I'm currently, I will be uh, covering the first appearance of, the first full appearance of the second Bloodsport and the Spilled Blood story arc, including the mastermind villain bloodthirst so it's blood 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 all over the place because it's the early 90s um, and i just also talked about the toy man's murder of adam grant on the last episode and i'll be putting it out another one later on this week so look forward to that uh if you're not ready to be a paid subscriber you can uh you can subscribe for free. If you do so, you get notifications when I put out new content and you get access to one free episode a month. Currently, it's the first episode of the Exile story arc. And then in December, I'll, I'll, 
I'll switch that one up and make the first episode in the next story arc available to, to freebie subscribers. Um, and even if you subscribe for free, I would, I would love for you to do that. It would be a really nice way to just show that you appreciate the show and that you like what I'm doing here. Um, I will probably be only able to put out maybe two more episodes before of this, of the main podcast, before I have to put the show on a brief hiatus. As I talked about on the Thanksgiving 2023 at the Fortress of Solitude last week, I am in the process of about to close on a house. Um, as you guys know, I'm currently on uh, the Atlantic coast of Florida, and I'll be moving to western Pennsylvania by choice. <laughs> For those of you that, you know, like, oh, why would you leave Florida? Well, I talk about all that, and I've talked about it several times. Um, but um, I really can only continue to do this show for the immediate future while school is still in session, while my daughter is still in her orchestra class because I have a two or three hours of downtime a week while she's in class for me to record. Um, when school is out and possibly before then because we have one more inspection to have done this week and after that they're talking about doing a, a accelerated closing. Um, so we may be closing around the 20th and if we do we are going to head out the next day for pennsylvania and so there's going to be we're going to be doing a lot of packing i'm going to be the the trip to pennsylvania is going to take about three days because we're going to drive for about six hours at a time and stay in an airbnb and then it'll be uh about another week or so while we get everything set up get the internet going and just get ourselves situated so um definitely i should definitely have an episode next week after the two weeks from now, maybe, and then after that, it's going to be about a month of downtime. But, uh, you know, if you guys want, you can always go back and listen to the old episodes, start from the beginning. That's that's fun. I'm doing that currently with my favorite podcast, um, Tighten Up the Defense. They just wrapped up their final episode a couple weeks ago, so I've been starting from the beginning of their show and re-listening. So you could do a Truth, Justice, and Hope re-listen while I get scored away in my new abode. And the next time I come back, which again will be next week, I'm going to talk about the first part of the uh, Boyzaro Redeath or Bizarroverse story arc in the eponymous Superman title, and also a one-and-done uh, issue of Action Comics for issue 999, where uh where superman and and sam lane sit down and have a heart to heart and that'll be the last issue of action comics before we get into the bendis run or at least before action comics number 1000 so that might be a good a good stopping point on the show is after 9.99 and then i can make uh, the triumphant return with the trunks with action 1000 but again, I will definitely be back next week. And until then, remember to fight fear at every turn with an open mind and an open heart. Love you.